It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's yeah. possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This is the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it like when Tatum play a Jalen on the breakaway. A Kyrie when he make a trade. And nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth that after you play it, you got a repeat. So in depth they might do an hour about the D-League. So in depth you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King. Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring. And well wishes go to Gordon. Listen, after every game is very important, Millie. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you once again for making us part of your daily routine. Today, we, the Rain and Jays, John Corrales, that's me from RedsArmy.com and Boston.com, and Sam Jam Packard, that's the guy on the other end of this. He is from Twitter.com, formerly of WEEI, and we are talking about a 92-87 win over the Milwaukee Bucks in Game 5 of the first round, Marcus Smart's return, Shemi Ojale's first playoff start, all sorts of fun stuff to talk about, uh, officiating, we got, oh, we got so much, so much, so much. Let's start, though, at the end. Let's start at the end of this game with Marcus Smart making the most Marcus Smart of plays on uh, a loose ball that could have been a turnover in a crucial situation. He wrestles it away from two bucks and gets it over to Al Horford to basically put the game out of reach and and help the Celtics to that 92-87 win. I think better than confetti streaming from the rafters, that was a fitting touch to end this game. It's just how Brad drew it up coming out of the ATO. Um, like Mike Gorman always says, uh, Marcus Smart's the best passer from being on the floor ever. Uh, he, re- I thought he got fouled on the play, and that's why he kind of ended up going to the floor. But it just kind of is the type of play where you see him go diving into a, uh, trying to rescue the ball from three bucks. You kind of have this confidence that he's going to end up with it. And... You could just see his impact all over the floor tonight. He had a classic Marcus Smart performance, only had nine points. Um, a couple rebounds, a couple assists, a bunch of turnovers, crazy blocks of Giannis at the rim, but you're right, that play kind of uh, encapsulated it all because it's just him diving on the floor and making the right play once he's actually wrestled it. Um, I thought he was just, uh, he brought a lot of energy to the Celtics tonight. He was a major reason why the Bucks' offense really struggled tonight. And I think the, the Celtics should be encouraged by the, their performance tonight because in the end, they only scored 92 points. They weren't that great offensively. I think there's a lot of things they could improve upon, but it just felt like with the depth of Marcus Smart, he really didn't have to play um, uh, Aaron Baines that many minutes or Greg uh, Monroe that many minutes. So when the Bucks went small, the Celtics really had an answer defensively, and I think Smart deserves a lot of credit for that. Yeah, I, I think the biggest number to come out of this game. It's the the number everybody's going to be talking about. I've already seen it tweeted out a bunch. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 10 field goal attempts, 16 points on 10 field goal attempts. He was an assist shy of a triple-double, but he was a minus two, 
And the 10 shots were indicative of the Celtics really largely able to limit his drives, stop him from getting to the basket like he always, always wants to. And they did a fantastic job of making him give up the ball. There, A lot of times he was driving with the intent of scoring and the credit Marcus Smart on some credit Shemi Ojale, credit Al Horford and and others who chipped in along the way. But the, really the biggest thing that the Celtics did in tonight's game where all of this success starts is they limited Antetokounmpo from getting to the rim and wreaking havoc and, and just dunking all over everybody. He had a couple of nice plays, but 16 points on 10 shots is a, a dream come true for the Celtics defense. Yeah, he had he, he, the lane was clogged the entire night. Uh, I thought Semi Ojale did a really good job. Um, he started off on him. Horford continued to do great, but you're right. He It felt like, I don't know if he was less aggressive tonight or was just making the smart play, but it felt like he was dumping the ball off to Bucks players who were cutting the rim, and they actually had some success with that. Jabari Parker, Shabazz Muhammad, um, Giannis obviously commands a lot of attention, and so you, you see his assist numbers up, but... I think he only had one field goal in the third quarter, and at some point um, in the third quarter, Shabazz Muhammad had, or I think at some point in the second half, Shabazz Muhammad had more field goal attempts. I mean, when you talk about the best player in the series and you analyze the playoffs through that lens, you usually imagine that best player trying to go into takeover mode and really trying to will his team to victory. And I don't know um, if that would have been the most successful thing for the Bucks to do tonight because it felt like the, the Celtics were playing great defense on Giannis, but you would... You just expect him to take more shots, um, and that's one is just I think the flaws of the Bucks is when you lock Giannis up there, they don't have a lot of other offense. It felt like the uh, the in the half court, like Giannis is amazing in transition. I thought the Celtics in the second half um, did a pretty good job of limiting turnovers and keeping the Bucks out of transition. But when you get the Bucks in the half court and Giannis really doesn't have any space to get in the lane, the Bucks offense really turns into let's try to get Chris Middleton onto a smaller point guard either um, Larkin and Rozier and just let Middleton go to work. Uh, and that's not really conducive to uh, a great game. I thought um, – I'm kind of looking up right now and shocked to see that Middleton only had 23 because it felt like he did a lot of the scoring tonight. But then I also see Jabari Parker had a good, uh, a decent game. Eric Bledsoe had a decent game. But in the end, if, if Giannis isn't going to uh, like kind of go supernova, the Bucks are really going to struggle to score against the, this Celtics team. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Here we go! John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. 
Rejecting the Screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, Rejecting the Screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, let's give you the numbers that you were talking about. Giannis Antetokounmpo, second half, one of four field goals. O of one. He played the entire third quarter, took one shot. So Middleton, Bledsoe, Parker, Snell, Muhammad. I mean, Shabazz Muhammad was four of seven in the third quarter. If he doesn't go crazy, then that third quarter goes much, much differently and the end of the game goes much differently. He had to go crazy and score 11 points for that third quarter to be even. So Giannis only took three field goal attempts in that fourth quarter. And again, limiting him was a real big deal. Uh, I thought that uh, I thought Shemi Ojale was really good moving his feet. And I think there were a couple of block charges that, that he kind of got screwed on. I'm not going to dwell on that because I think... Oh, that's coming up in the junk drawer because I'm going to dwell on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. But I, I, will, I guess that's a tease coming up. <laughs> but uh, I thought he did a really good job. And I think he, he obviously did a good enough job where down the stretch in the fourth quarter, Jason Tatum did not play. He played three, three minutes and 16 seconds in the fourth quarter. And down the stretch, it was Ojale who played nine minutes in the fourth quarter and was asked to do a lot. And he defended, again, pretty well and was part of why the, the Bucks couldn't do anything. And if it wasn't for hot shooting, really, from Jabari Parker, who was taking long twos and a couple of threes, if, if Parker doesn't go off, I think Parker's the, the real reason at the, at the, uh, in the second half why the Bucks were even hanging around. If Parker doesn't go nuts, and for the, for Parker that's going nuts, uh, I think I think this game goes much differently. He's been playing better lately. I guess the big question moving forward is: Can they get these other performances from Muhammad or Parker or Bledsoe all at the, all at the same time for two more games in a row to 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 take this series? Yeah, I thought Parker was really the only impactful. I mean, Muhammad had a nice impact too, but we saw nothing from Thon Maker tonight. Um, nothing from Delhi, and it's kind of it's it goes along with what I've been saying. I feel like the whole series is role players play differently on the road uh, than at home. I think Jabari Parker's certainly playing with a lot of offense or a lot of confidence offensively. I just don't know if you can keep him out there for um, that. He's not like the most engaged defender. Uh, the the Bucks, I still think, have a problem when they go small or with Giannis at the five, just because. I don't think they're comfortable with Giannis being directly posted up with Horford, and I think that that causes them to sometimes overhelp. And the best position you can really put Al Horford in is, is like trying to double him because he's such a good passer. There was two key plays down the stretch where I thought Jalen Brown um, did an amazing job getting backdoor cuts. The first one where there was a pick and roll with Smart and Horford, um, where all the attention was going to doubling Horford, and Jalen snuck backdoor. And then the next was the same kind of doubling of Horford. So I don't know if the, the Bucks really have, again, I, I, it all goes back to I just don't know if they have a formula for success other than their role players kind of making big shots or Giannis going crazy. But I thought the Celtics did a really good job of just uh, 
I guess being effective down down the stretch. It was a, it was kind of a sloppy game if we if we're being real about it. There was like long stretches in the first quarter, uh, which I described as hella disjointed. Uh, there's some stretches in the fourth quarter where the Celtics just didn't score for like four minutes at the time. Um, I thought the Celtics had they have some room for improvement on the offensive end, but it, I think it all comes down to the, the defense and. Sometimes Jabari Parker's just going to go off for 11 points or Shabazz Muhammad's going to go off. The Celtics were going to live with that. You want Jabari Parker doing that. I thought Eric um, Eric Bledsoe came out really aggressive, especially after the, the brouhaha. And if I'm Brad Stevens, I'm happy with Eric Bledsoe being aggressive because that means he's taking a bunch of shots and it's not Giannis. So I think the Bucks are kind of uh, doomed if they're relying on these role players, especially on the road, uh, to score a bunch of points for them, um, especially when Giannis is only... What, what did he end up finishing with? 16 points. And Middleton yeah. with a pedestrian 23. Uh, for, for Middleton, just because he has been outrageous the entire series. And I know that he made some two absurd threes at the end to kind of inflate that. But he is a, he's a goblin. He is, <laughs> he is confirmed witchcraft. He makes no sense. Um, and I, I regret anything negative I said about him because he uh, has the power to rip out your soul. He is a goblin. <laughs> Uh, I want to remind everybody, by the way, that we have a Locked On NBA podcast. On top of this, we, you know, you should be listening to us every day, and you should be checking out the Locked On Bucks podcast for their perspective because they have a very, very interesting perspective from the other side. So check out Locked On Bucks. Also check out Locked On NBA, which if you're listening to this on Wednesday, I'm a co-host of the Locked On, Wednesday, Locked On NBA Wednesday podcast with Jake Madison. So I will continue the conversation about the Celtics with Jake on that as well as discussing the other games of the night, the Sixers Heat and the Spurs and uh, Warriors series. So check that out wherever you found your Locked On Celtics podcast. Search for Locked On NBA as well. Uh, You know, I I do want to point out, and I think when we go into game six, I think that the difference in game six, with Marcus Smart back and... I think in the third quarter, I think Brad waited a little too long to bring him back in. I love, I just love how Marcus Smart sees the floor. And the blocked shots, as I called him on Twitter, Marcus Smart Tumbo, he's out there <laughs> just when you're, he protects the rim, not just because he can jump high enough to block the shot. He anticipates these things happening. He knows what's happening. He sees plays as they develop. And... There were a few times in this game where if the Celtics didn't have Marcus Smart, I'm afraid that this game might have got fallen a little out of control. Smart came in a couple of times, calmed things down, which is interesting because Marcus Smart is the most insane player out there. But he came in and calmed things down and really let things develop. And he threw that alley-oop that I was looking for to Al Horford, and he was finding guys. He was really just letting the offense run. And... Too many times without Smart on the floor, we saw the Celtics morph into this hero ball. It was it was especially after that skirmish between Rozier and Bledsoe that the emotions started riding high, and Rozier was starting to like dribble between his legs like he was Kyrie Irving, and everybody was trying to take everybody one on one. That's exactly what the Bucks want us to do, and and it's nice that they have this option of Marcus Smart coming off the bench to calm things down, and going into Game Six where being on the road and all that emotion is going to be out there again, 
I think Marcus Smart is really going to help the team in that regard. And whenever things start to go wrong, like they will in Milwaukee, he can come in and right the ship. Yeah, he, in the third quarter, when the Celtics, after the, the Tito-Drew Bledsoe fight, um, the Celtics actually, the Bucks cut it to four points. Marcus Smart came in around the five-minute mark of the third quarter. The Celtics were only up six. And in a matter of two minutes, uh, they quickly extended the lead back up to 11. It was just Marcus Smart making smart passes. The, one of those was the alley to Horford. It was just it was amazing to see someone hit the roll man, uh, a rolling <laughs> Al Horford, because it feels like the, with the Bucks switching, that has been open the entire series. And it really opens up a, like, a level of verticality to the Celtics offense that they just don't have. Horford actually missed one of the, one of the oop attempts tonight. Um, but I just think Marcus Smart, you're right. He has, he makes the correct basketball play. He does, uh, has great anticipation and he has great court vision. I go back to that play in the fourth where Jalen had the backdoor cut. It's just, he, he was the one who saw Jalen wide open. He, he seems like he makes the, the right decision, um, the majority of the time. So yeah, it's, it's bizarre to think of like his ball of insanity being a calming influence, but in terms of just like making the right basketball play and, uh, that's something, uh, he does, and I think there's something that the Celtics uh, were in kind of need of because Terry Rozier, as much as I love Terry Rozier and his uh, his kind of playmaking and his his scoring, he hasn't been – he's not the best pick-and-roll player. With that being said, Rozier had some good passes today where he found uh, open shooters in the corners, and so I think it's just like a layer of Rozier's game where he's like have to work out kind of passing in the pick-and-roll. But I still – I think he does have uh, uh, some good finishing – or good vision and is able to get into the paint and find the guys in the corners. It's just coming off that pick and roll um, smart is so much better and just adds another, like a, a dynamic uh, kind of style to the Celtics offense where the bucks can no longer just switch and uh, drop and hope that no one's going to find the Horford. If they can actually kind of prove that that pick and roll is workable, it kind of causes the bucks to do something different um, and get out of there. Just kind of their basic, uh, switching everything off or defense, which I think the Celtics have struggled with. Um, and then one of the reasons why they kind of went to that ISO ball is because if everyone's switching, uh, it's hard to really get an advantage on the pick and roll. So you just end up with Jalen Brown going one-on-one or Terry going one-on-one or a Horford in the post move. So I really, the, the, the smart pick and roll or being a, a more able pick and roll playmaker, I think uh, really should open up the Celtics offense uh, moving forward. And, I think should be an impact in Game Six because I don't expect uh, Jalen Brown. He had a I don't want to say he had an off night, but he definitely didn't have the, the same scoring performance. Uh, only finishing with 14. Tatum was nowhere to be seen tonight. Terry uh, Marcus Morris only had 10 points. I think just adding the layer of smart, and then if you get shooting from the role players, the Celtics can actually score some points and uh, hopefully go uh, and just win in Milwaukee instead of having to come back for a Game Seven. Yeah, I would prefer to finish this out in Milwaukee. That would be really nice. Uh, a game seven at home, I feel confident in, but you just don't want. You know, they also do have the most talented player in the series in Giannis, and I don't trust that in a game seven. So I'd like to go finish this off in six. But one thing I noticed in this series is when the Celtics do find these mismatches, they will often try to back a guy down in the post. Jalen, uh, I've seen it happen to Jason Tatum, I think, uh, Marcus Morris. Uh, these guys, so you get a mismatch and you try to back a guy down in the post. 
the the Bucks are are blitzing with a double team from uh, from up top, and so Jalen, I saw it happen to Jalen specifically tonight. He's he's looking to go to the right. He's he's facing up, then he spins to get into the post, and then a guy comes rushing in, and as soon as he spins the other way, he gets blitzed and he turns the ball over. It's happened to Al Horford a couple of times. Every time a guy faces up and then turns to get into the post, the, the Milwaukee comes blitzing with a double team, and it almost always turns into a Celtics turnover. So I'd love to see the Celtics get away from that type of thing, or at least know that it's coming, because then you can send a guy from where that double came, and you can force the defense into rotation, and then you can score. And that just goes along with, I, I know Brad Stevens called the timeout, after all that hero ball stuff that was happening. One of the things that the Celtics have been doing is getting into those situations where they're isoing and backing down and turning the ball over. It's happened long stretches in games three, four, and it happened a couple of times tonight. If the Celtics are gonna go win game six, they gotta figure that out. They've gotta figure out when those double teams are coming from Milwaukee because they're desperately trying to turn you over and get out in transition. I'm sure in game six, that those blitzes are going to be coming hard, often, and they got to get out there because they can't have another game. You can't lose a game at home with Giannis only taking 10 shots. And the way to get him more shots is to get him out running. So the Celtics have to be very, very conscious about turning that ball over in those situations moving on to game six. I think the key with that is execution. I don't think they should necessarily go away with it because there's one play tonight where uh, Jalen did the exact same thing kind of looking to go to his right, found his way into the middle of the key. And they sent that blitz from the top, but he recognized it and hit a wide open Al Horford for a three. So it's really just about being aware of where that uh, extra pressure is coming from and being able to pass around it. Because I think the Celtics offense is best when it gets kind of those paint touches and then gets the ball moving. And I don't know whether it's a change of uh, mentality when you're going into the post up, maybe like posting up, looking to pass. It's kind of a difficult... Um, thing to do and one of the reasons I've always been a terrible post player is because I like I'm always looking to pass and never looking to score and you kind of need to be able to like be willing to and able to score at any moment against your defender but then also be aware of the double team and be able to pass out of it so I think if the Celtics like are looking at film and are able to pass like, get those uh, touches inside the paint and then kick it to shooters they could have an effective offense but you're right tonight it felt like Sometimes when you get, when you get players in the post who are not used to playing in the post, it feels like they you get they get into the mode of just like, well, I'm, I got to go up with it now because I have the mismatch. And so really playing with more offensive awareness and saying uh, and looking to pass when that double team comes, I think it uh, has a possibility of the Celtics generating more open looks from three because there were some uh, opportunities tonight. I think the the Jalen play I described earlier happened, and then Horford gave it back to Jalen on a similar play. Uh, it does have the ability to create some open shots when you get passing from the paint. So I don't think the Celtics should go away from those posts. I think they just need to execute better in terms of passing out of the post. Just be aware. Just be aware of what's happening. If you know that the, the double team is coming from that area, you can, you can game plan from it. You know that's their defensive strategy, and the Celtics haven't made an adjustment on that for the most part. I think the play that you're talking about, they actually designed a play – where Ojale set a pick and Al Horford had that wide open shot in the corner. So if it's if it has to be a designed play, if they have, if that's how it is, that's how it is. But that's coming. 
It's coming from the Bucks, and the Celtics, I think, uh, managed to get away with it a little bit tonight. But just something uh, I, I just I don't want to come back to Boston. I'd rather just deal with whatever and, and whatever the next series is. Let's just move forward with that and not deal with the game seven. Uh, I do. I mean, I, I do want to give a, a special shout out to Horford, who at 22 points, 14 rebounds, three assists, was awesome for the most part tonight. Uh, a couple of mistakes, but he he was really just he was awesome. jacked up the entire game. This is the most emotional I've seen Al, uh, yeah. according to Jay King, during the after the after the brouhaha where Chris Middleton was taking uh, the technical free throw. Al Horford was just yelling at him, chirping at him, which is a shocking thing to hear because you just think of Al as being the most calm, mild-mannered person. He threw a little late elbow towards Giannis after um, getting yeah, fouled yeah. late in the fourth. He was jacked up the entire game, and I think that's like, like if you're a Celtics fan and that doesn't get you also jacked up, uh, you don't have a soul. Of course, of course. Uh, let's see, what else do we have here? Maybe we should just get to some of these tweets, and then we just fill in some of the blanks through the Rain Jays hashtag. Uh, let's start with at Celtics Mike. Uh, smart box score and plus minus. Uh, two of seven, nine points, five rebounds, four assists, plus 11. Now, I don't see plus 11, I'll be honest with you. My plus minus shows him as a plus two. Same. I don't know. So, and Jay tweeted out plus 11, too, so I don't know. I was equally confused by that. Yeah, but look, still a plus two. Still, hey, look. Marcus Smart affects these games. It is a classic Mar Marcus Smart game, though. Two of seven shooting, uh, 0 of two from three, nine points. Five turnovers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but clearly, clearly made a positive impact in this game. Uh, let's see. Want to know what's even better? Marcus will play even more game six. I still, I'm still a proponent of, of starting Marcus Smart. Uh, I think that would be an interesting adjustment. Uh, I think my argument stands, and I would like to see more Marcus Smart, and I think I'd like to see him start in Game 6. Uh, has, has anything you've seen tonight changed your mind, or do you think that Rozier as the starter works? Um, I, I, w I would still argue for them starting next to each other. I think that the Celtics, uh, if they're going to counter going small, if they're willing to start going small, um, you could see Smart start in where Shemi started tonight, and I think it's – you get the kind of the benefits of him being the offensive playmaker and the point guard. You get the benefits of him playing defense. He's not he's not as burly as the thick jack frame of Semi Ojale, but he's got the combat muscles to make it damn close. Uh, I thought he was more effective than than Shemi. So I just think if the, the Celtics are going to continue to go small, you can keep Rozier shooting and scoring. I think Rozier is a pretty good off-ball uh, player, uh, good at catch and shoot, and you can uh, still get Marcus's playmaking in there. So... I'm fine with him starting. Clearly, he's going to finish the game. I was uh, kind of surprised that Tatum was not on the court to finish the game, but you saw them close with Rozier, Smart, Jalen Brown, Marcus Morris, and Al Horford. And I think you can put Tatum in there for uh, Marcus Morris, or you can exchange some uh, different parts as you will. But I just uh, – so I'm open to him starting. I just um, – I guess it's classic Brad Stevens. It's not who starts the game, it's who closes, and I clearly right. think he needs to be in the game um, when it ends. It was no surprise that Brad brought him back in with about three minutes left to play just because he's the guy who's going to make the crazy uh, play for the possession. He's the guy who's going to get the crazy block at the rim. You just need um, the energy of Marcus Smartwood uh, down the stretch. So, uh, And I think Terry Rozier plays uh, well off him, so 
I don't know about yeah. starting, um, but I do think those two guys will end up finishing uh, games together. One quick note. I think the uh, finishing lineup without Jason Tatum, two, two things. One, Tatum was obviously not playing well, so there, there was uh, that factor. And the Celtics had a lead, and they didn't need – if you have a guy that's, that's not playing particularly well, but you have a guy like Ojale who was defending very well – then you you stick with the Ojale, and it's you know it's ballsy I think to stick with Ojale because he's statistically one of the worst offensive players uh, around in the league really this year. But he um, the Celtics didn't need him for his scoring; they needed him for his defense, and that was I think that was the other factor in why he was on the floor and Tatum wasn't. If if it was reversed and the Celtics were down five, I think Tatum would have been in there just because they needed some guys to to be able to hit threes late in the game. Uh, back to the tweets, and let me just run through a bunch of these because there's a ton of Marcus Smart tweets. So The people are uh, excited, as they should yeah. be. At Rifesey, got the full Smart experience tonight. Thing of beauty, needed every bit. At Micah underscore Angelo, Marcus Smart is the game's MVP. Uh, at Ball in a Pin just says Marcus Smart with a bunch of T's. Uh, wicked filthy winning motherfucking plays uh, just lots of uh, lots of love for Marcus Smart uh, lots of love for Jalen Brown who at straight no chaser Nova brings Jalen Brown up in trade talks again juices off the table for anyone period uh, which is you know, exciting at tone at tone the writer Jalen three has gotten so much better in, uh, since season one uh, so Lots of love for Jalen Brown as well. Again, Jalen not having the best, didn't have the best night in, in the world, but still showed up when it, when he had to when he had to show up, hit hit some big shots. Yeah, he's uh, shooting with a lot of confidence from three. Um, just the fact that he attempted eight three pointers tonight just shows you uh, the confidence level of his shot. And they're going to need him to kind of continue to shoot just because they don't have they don't have the scoring. So. Uh, Hopefully he shows up with another 30-point performance. But, yeah, I thought he was just solid tonight, and I, he really did a great job of those two backdoor cuts in the fourth quarter. At M. Burns 37, there was Montgomery a Burns? <laughs> Spelled with a Y. Damn. And he didn't say excellent in there at all. So uh, there was a stretch in the quor- second quarter where the Bucks seemed to be getting Larkin switched at the Middleton on every possession. What can slash should the Celtics defense uh, – uh, what can slash should the Celtics do to stop that? Um, not play Shane Larkin? Yeah, I was surprised at the minutes he Shane got tonight. Now, he had a nice steal. He kind of picked the pocket of um, Giannis. Uh, I thought he made some nice plays in the offense, but there was that stretch where it just felt like, all right, we know exactly what the Bucks are doing. They're going to run one switch and get Larkin onto Middleton, and Middleton's going to go into the post. And... I mean, as annoying as it was for that stretch and kind of Celtics Twitter got very upset with Shane Larkin, I didn't, like, it's not the most effective offense for the Bucks. Like, it's just not a very efficient shot. It doesn't, we see with Middleton's point totals, he didn't absolutely toast them. I think if the, the Bucks want to kind of just run a bunch of post-ups for Chris Middleton, obviously you're not going to have them do that for the entire game, and you know, there's going to be some minutes where Shane Larkin's in the game, but I think if that's... If that's their answer, then I, I think the Celtics can live with that. I think Shane Larkin just provides a nice 
spark off the bench, and I wouldn't be shocked if he saw less minutes as Marcus Smart um, comes back. Smart only played 25 tonight, so you imagine if Smart's closer to 30, Shane Larkin gets maybe two five-minute stretches, maybe one six-minute stretch. So I'd expect him to play a little bit less, but I just don't think it's the biggest deal in the world just because I don't think it creates that much of an advantage for the Bucks. Okay, let's move on to the reigning junk hashtag um, and keep moving forward here. Uh, at Scropeberg, <laughs> missing Greek male, approximately 6'11", 220 pounds. If found, please call his father, <laughs> Shemi Ojale. Damn. Uh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, let's see. At Vegetable, V-I-J, uh, after two face slaps and a meaningless super late foul, is Maker versus Rozier the most underrated rivalry of the series? <laughs> Let uh, me t- Thon Maker uh, kind of plays like a crazy person, and I kind of enjoy it. And really what I want is to see some sort of Thon Maker-Yabu head-to-head competition because they both play with a bunch of like energy, and they both have him probably the most opposite body types in the league. <laughs> but Thonmaker really kind of—I don't, I don't want to say he plays recklessly, but he plays with a, a ton of energy, and I would say sometimes excess energy. And he did strike Terry Rozier in the face. It felt multiple like multiple times tonight. Yes, uh, at Horsehead Intl, Thonmaker slapping Tito like he got ghosted. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I think Kevin Garnett really has inspired Thon Maker. And I'm a little upset that Kevin Garnett has done this because we could have waited. We certainly could have waited to return his text until after the series. That's fine. Get inspired next year. I don't need him getting inspired now. But on the plus side, I will say that I think Maker has come back down to earth. He shot one of five tonight, 0-3 from three. He had that one super inspired game. And then the beginning of game four, he was, he was pretty good shooting. But he had no block shots tonight, kind of a non-factor. So I, I do think that maybe some of the magic, he's playing with the energy and all of that, and maybe he'll, he'll hit some of these shots at home versus the road. But we might be entering a, a spot where Maker, buoyed by his confidence of one supernova game and one decent game, may take too many shots to and hurt the team. I'm hoping anyway. I'm hoping that's the case. I'm hoping the same thing is true of Parker and Bledsoe, and all of these guys are going to start trying to ISO because I'd rather see that than the alternative. So we'll just leave it at that. Uh, let's see. Uh, at Jovian Shadow, there have been some horrendous miss- missed calls all around. You and I can officiate better than this team. That was in reference to the missed 24-second violation on Which Al Horford. Was egregious. That was a terrible call. I mean, if that had happened against the Celtics, we would have we could have just done a separate show on on that call. But really, honestly, how can you botch a call that badly? Like that, obviously. How could they not hear the buzzer? How could they not see the clock? How could they not see the light? I do not understand. And it was under two minutes, so you would think they reviewed it. If the shot had went in, that's like an automatic review. But because there was like a long rebound and Thonmaker ended up slapping Rozier in the face, it felt like they just went with the foul. But I I was shocked they didn't go to the the table for that one because it was so 
so egregious. And I just think maybe Joe Prunty's too mild-mannered to demand such a thing. I don't know. He seemed pretty pissed off. I'd be pissed off, too. I mean, granted, we like we said, we've talked about it. There are missed calls all over the place. I do think, and there are differing opinions, I think that Ojale got jobbed on a couple of those calls. There are missed calls from the previous games. Missed calls all over the place. But that one was pretty just pretty bad. And who knows, who knows if that would have even... It didn't yeah. lead to any points. It just led to like twenty seconds off the clock. Right. Which you can they, say they is, needed the time. They needed the time, and who knows what it would have led to. It's it's that's not one of those things that would have guaranteed the Bucks a win, but it would have given them more time and a chance to get closer and burn timeouts. And and who knows who knows what would have happened. But that's that's pretty egregious. That's a pretty bad one. Want to just get right into your junk drawer there? Sure. Um, starting off, have to give a shout out to the mainest man, Millie's, for uh, his segment on ESPN where he's that was good. talking about the Celtics. Had a little freestyle. Uh, you may notice some of the lines uh, in there, which makes sense because if you're doing a freestyle about the Celtics, there's only so many things you can uh, talk about. But it's just cool to see our main man, Millie's, on a national platform. Um, so have to give a shout out to him. Uh, he did a he did a thing where they he named different rappers as a. Uh, basketball team and that's definitely mm-hmm. a reigning junk subject for a, a next pod because um it's completely subjective and uh will totally. cause a lot of debate um I'm have down. to give a I sh- want in on that yeah it would be a lot of fun uh no jay king's not allowed on that just because i feel like he likes like the three same rappers like he i think jay king just like only listens to jay-z and um i don't know i just had to know i, I just I don't know why I just had some some vitriol for Jay King. Maybe because he was saying <laughs> saying some mean things about like, me last night when we were trying to record the podcast. But I just felt the need to attack, so I apologize. He was really Jay. personally attacked, like really deeply personal stuff. Yeah, it was uh, it was upsetting. Me and him have not talked today. It's been uh, very tense, very <laughs> tense. Um, Marcus Morris showed up in a great pink outfit. That uh, go to the Celtics Instagram. I just thought it deserved recognition. Also deserving recognition. Um, uh, Main man Gunnaman tweeted this out. Friend of Terry Rozier, not tweeted this out. Instagrammed. I also tweeted out the picture. But they had the scary Terry wearing a Drew Bledsoe jersey, which is just uh, what we were all craving. And I hopefully, awesome. after today's fight, uh, maybe we'll get a uh, Terry Rozier in the sweet like 2000s or late 90s Drew Bledsoe jersey. Um, the Celtics starting lineup tonight had played a total of 11 minutes together this entire season, which is classic Brad Stevens. Um, yeah, I mean. Yeah, as someone put it on Twitter, Big Dick Brad decided to <laughs> start Shimmy Ojale, and it worked out perfectly. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, I, what, what can you say? Like, I, I, I question lineups, and I say don't play, like, I don't play Shane Larkin, but he's out there, and he does things, and he ends up as a positive. Like, I just, I, I got to just trust Brad. Like, I, I've got to at this point. You got to because uh, he's the best we got, but also he's a uh, pr- Good track record, that Brad Stevens guy. Pretty good. Um, i got to give a shout-out to whoever's doing the music at Celtics games. I've been hypercritical of that person, but they were great tonight. And I think the song I Can't Wait by New Shoes is the best song of all time. Um, and I give you permission right now to pause the podcast, go onto YouTube, and play that song, and tell me it's not amazing. Uh, they played that song. They played Sir Duke tonight. I don't know. It was just it was good stuff all around. But New Shoes... Uh, a band I don't think has any other uh, songs made a, a perfect song with I Can't Wait. That's an old school reference. That's like 
that's like a my that's that's shit I grew up with. Hey, uh, if you make greatness in any time period, it's gonna last forever. Yeah, I, I guess so. I'm 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 hopping on Wikipedia right now to see that uh, New Shoes uh, they released four albums during the 1980s. They are still active. Huh. <laughs> They're still playing that same still thing. Still active. They, they just put... <laughs> I should do a musical interlude every show. That was great. Great podcast. That was perfect. That was perfect. Yes. Um, that that song came out. Shit. Yeah. That was like, I got to stop talking because <laughs> I really got to stop talking. 1985, it came out. Uh, it was great then. It's great today. Moving on quickly. This happened right after we stopped recording uh, the podcast last night, but Jason Tatum sent a Snapchat of himself eating tacos and said, call me Taco J. And immediately the Riffs man de- uh, declared it canon, and I'm all in on the nickname Taco J. I think Taco J and Juice, or Juice and Taco J, is a great nickname for their uh, for the combination of those two. Taco J, he call him Taco J. He eats tacos. It's just it's so absurd that I'm a for it. He is officially Taco J. Moving forward, send me your taco based memes. Uh, I I will just say this. He better fucking play better in the next game, <laughs> or else Taco J is out. That's true. Uh, his his performance after known taco eating has not been great, but Jason I believe Tatum. Yeah, Jason Tatum has had a great season. Taco J has had one shitty playoff game, so let's uh, step it up, Taco J. That's fair. All right, here we are. The war on semi needs to stop. I don't know if the refs don't uh, want to. They're jealous of his frame. They're jealous of his biceps. Uh, they don't respect. Uh, a man of the of the cloth as, as semi is i don't know what it is but he it felt like this entire series has just been putting his body on the line to take charges from Giannis, and he has not gotten one call the entire series i think there is two or three situations tonight one mate was probably a block but he has been just putting his body on line as unable to get a call and the war on semi needs to stop because i won't stand for it he's an outstanding human being and an even better defender uh Probably should switch those two. He's an outstanding defender and an even better human being, and he doesn't deserve this type of shabby treatment. I, I will offer you this alternative theory that Shimmy Ojale is so clearly superhuman with his strength. The combat muscles are so obvious that a big skinny guy like Giannis can't possibly push him over. And the referees are sitting there saying, you're falling over backwards and this is not this is not possible. <laughs> You're not you supposed must, to be able to move. <laughs> we can't we can't possibly. It's an obvious flop because in real world he can get a running start from three quarter court and run straight into you, and it's Giannis that will disintegrate into a thousand pieces. Because look at you, you're a goddamn brick wall. I don't That's think his theory. his thick jack frame should be used against him. It's uh it's BS and it's discriminatory, and I don't like it. It's uh, it's body shaming is what it is. <laughs> Um, moving yes. on. Well, I, this is a full junk drawer today. Um, Body shaming. <laughs> uh, this was just a random observation, but I'm always surprised when the ball goes in the crowd that the crowd is like always immediately gets the ball back to the referee. And if you think of all the drunk people who are like generally in, in the area of the court, 
there's never any ball shenanigans, and it's actually kind of disappointing. But there was like a few times where the ball just went into the crowd tonight, and the guy, people just picked it up and passed it right to the referee. Like they knew that they weren't part of the show. And that's, like, not what the crowd does. The crowd just is dying to be on the Jumbotron. They want to be part of the show. So I'm just amazed that we haven't seen anything like that before. Um, if you were in the crowd, if you were, like, in the first row or somewhere, would you shoot it? Oh, yeah. yeah. What are they going to do? Kick me out? Probably. Pro- probably, yeah. <laughs> probably, yeah. So you better hope it's a blowout at that point. If it's the fourth quarter and it's a blowout and you got the ball, it, yeah. The best would be do if you did it like the first three minutes of the first quarter and just ruined ruined the night for everyone. <laughs> um, apparently, we uh, like I missed a, an amazing Tommy Heinsohn game tonight. Uh, was just outraged at the outfit officiating all night. Marcus Smart, and apparently he nicknamed Marcus Smart the uh, Adrenaline, Adrenaline, which yeah. is a cool name. I think he's uh, if there's a if you're gonna name him after a, a drug, I don't know if Adrenaline is what I would go with, but. Uh, I think it's the same family. It's cert- Marcus Smart is certainly related to Uppers, um, and I just wanted to give Tommy his due. <laughs> yeah, totally. What's that thing that uh, in Pulp Fiction, that shot that John Travolta pumps into Uma Thurman's chest? Is it like epinephrine? Something like that. It's hard to, it's hard to go with the chemical name. Uh, whatever, for a whatever, what, whatever that shot was, I think is a more appropriate name than, I forget what it was, but I'm sure I'll get a million tweets about it. I'm, I'm going to Google it. Oh, that's fair. Uh, and my final reigning junk thing um, is uh, I hate Adam Jones from 98.5. Uh, I try not to be mad online, but he gets me mad online every time. And I know he's doing a bit with his trolling, uh, but I just, I'm a sports optimist. I really try to not get mad online. But then he tweets out, Marcus Smart is the only player who gets credit for making, quote, winning plays when the game is already won. One that just shows a complete like lack of knowledge for basketball because the game can switch at any time. So giving him credit for making the right play on the ground when the Celtics are up, it's still a winning play. And Adam Jones is the worst. It's not a good bit. I'm offended, not as a guy who watches the Celtics, but again, as a comedian, it's not good. I am officially mad online. <laughs> Screw you, Adam Jones. <laughs> yeah. That was the, long, so- the longest junk drawer in a while. That was a good one. So get this. I looked it up. The shot is epinephrine. But you know what epinephrine is? Adrenaline. Adrenaline. Oh, that's exactly what Thomas, I mean, Tommy Heinsohn was thinking. It was, what was that substance in Pulp Fiction? Because that's what yeah. Marcus Smart is. That's what he is. Son of a bitch. Marcus Smart was in the suitcase in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> that is a take. That is a take. <laughs> All right. Uh, and that is a show. That's a podcast uh, because we have gone for a long time, and that's – I think we've covered pretty much all of it. So I want to thank everybody for listening. If you are a first-time listener, hey, welcome aboard. I'm, I'm the opposite. When Jay King does that line, he says, first of all, you stupid, <laughs> which, is a, which is a – you know, look, Jake, Jay's got his own takes. Me, I'm a lot more welcoming. It's, it's a know, classic Jay Kingism, though. It, it's so a good I'm cop, bad it. cop thing. So, yeah, it's, it's – I don't even know if he can say that line without instinctively just saying, you stupid. Like, he just unconsciously does it. But I'm going to walk up to him right now and go, first of all, if you don't subscribe to the podcast and see what he does. He'll just say, you stupid. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to say I'm, I'm more forgiving and just say welcome along and uh, go ahead and subscribe. Search for Lockdown Celtics wherever you get your podcast. And if you are a subscriber, you have not given us 
five stars yet. First of all, you stupid. <laughs> you stupid. And then you should give us five stars. We've earned those five stars, and uh, we've also earned a good review because that's sort of like paying us. Because the more good reviews and the more stars we get, the further up the rankings we go. You know how it goes. We want those stars and rankings and blah 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 because you know helps us. Makes me feel better. It's an ego boost and money in our pockets. So that's how you pay us by doing that and by listening and spreading the word and telling your friends to listen to us. The Locked On Celtics Podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, Jay King and John Corrales. Locked On Celtics. Millie's. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.